fellow adventurers, I am Josie Thompson and welcome to You Can Shine podcast where I explore real stories of real people just like you and I who have faced adversities and trials and won. Today I'm here with Andrea Cornwall. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I met Andrea many decades ago when we were both graduates and working together at BHP Cole. A solid friendship ensued and Andrea herself has faced and conquered her own cancer battle as well. Andrea has held many senior and executive marketing roles around the world in the resources sector and is currently head of marketing and sales for Peak Rare Earths Limited. Andrea is partner to Dennis and mother to Sophie and Thomas. And a fun fact about Andrea is that we actually both went skydiving with a mutual friend, Richard McColl, in Tagulawa in 1994. And Andrea is a good-hearted woman. So let's welcome Andrea Cornwell. Thanks, Josie, very much. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you. Well, it's so good to have you here. Um, I've done a bit of a rundown, Andrea, on some of the career highlights of your life but tell us your real story the story underneath who is Andrea Cornwall what are some of the formative experiences that have shaped your life well um Josie once upon a time I would have said it was all about motherhood and and career development um but five years ago is when I got a breast cancer diagnosis so um That certainly was a formative part of what's been my journey and my story. And, um, yeah, I'm happy happy to share the details of what, with hindsight, I would say today is really a bit of a blessing for me is how I look upon it. Mm. Isn't it funny how sometimes our darkest days are the ones that actually bring illumination and insight into life? Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so tell us about that experience for you. Um, well, look, I was living in Singapore at the time. So I was 45 um, when I got this diagnosis five years ago. But throughout my life, my mother had two mastectomies in her 40s. And so I always had that notion of having um, breast cancer in the history. And so um I was always getting checked up from the age of 30 was the advice, um, or maybe it was even even younger, was the advice from the doctors. So, you know, I've worked in various cities around the world and I've always had to make sure I've had a, a breast specialist and, and get those checkups done. When I did eventually get this diagnosis at 45, I kind of assumed it might be linked to, to mum and what she went through, but the BRAC gene testing that was done for me in Singapore was, was negative. And so I was, um, I guess, curious in a way um, to understand what it was that I had because it was different to mum. Um, and in fact, my cancer was, you know, cancer of, of the milk ducts, whereas mum had had some tumours. So in that sense, I did kind of understand that it was different. I, I guess there was that sort of shock element, but because I was being checked regularly, and I cannot reinforce this enough to the audience, go and get checked, guys, because I had an early stage catch. Um, I had some choices that not everyone necessarily gets, particularly if they're being diagnosed with sort of stage two, three, four cancers. Um, and my choice 
which is an absolute blessing, was to have pretty radical surgery and get rid of it or to um, go down a chemo and radiation pathway. And that was a very hard choice to make, I might say. Mm. Um, I chose the surgical route, Um, you know, knowing people that have been through chemo and radiation um, didn't sound particularly pleasant and I felt that there was a bit of a sign or an omen for me that I had this option to to not go down that pathway. Mm. Um, That said, the surgery was horrendous. Um, It was a mastectomy reconstruction surgery which they took from my tummy. So I had lots of, you know, it was months and months and months of of rehab and and that's a permanent thing. Um, My core muscles have been tampered with and my stomach wall collapses and, you know, other things go on and and that's a life thing. But, you know, to this day I don't regret the decision. I think something I'd, I'd share though for the audience because everyone's different but how do you make that decision, I think, was one of my key learnings. And when I think about my entire journey, this comes back to me over and over again. And, and one of the messages I would leave um, with people is don't be afraid to seek and ask for help and then take it. So, you know, through my network of friends and, and colleagues, um, two people knew breast surgeons. They were so insightful conversations and, you know, Sometimes doctors need to be careful what they say and they've got insurances to worry about and and all of that. But these guys could actually speak from the heart. And You know, um, one of the doctors, he said to me, he said, Andrew, you've been in the corporate world for such a long time. You know, how do you how do you make business decisions? And I said, well, I think through the criteria that's, you know, I rank the criteria of the decision. What's the most important element I've got to get through? And he said, just do exactly the same thing. You know, if it's about aesthetics, maybe you don't want to do the surgical pathway. If it's about cancer, get rid of the cancer and get rid of those microcells, and probably you do want to go the surgical pathway. So there was no judgment, um, but he just helped me understand how to, how to make a really tough decision. And, and that was really clear. The minute he said that, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I didn't need to overthink that um, and, and opted for the, the surgical um, pathway. To this day, I mentioned the, that there's side effects to that, but I certainly don't regret that decision. It, it has allowed me to recover from that and take some of the fear out of it, I guess. I, I obviously still have a strong checkup regime. It was just a single mastectomy. So mm. I sit there balancing the emotions around when is this going to come back to the other side and, and get me. But I'm so determined that I hold fast to those six-monthly checkups and I'm really proactive in this space because whatever's going to get me, I'm determined it's not going to be breast cancer because I'll mm. be on top of it before um, it, it gets away. That's that's sort of my my goal and what drives me. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you really took stock of what was actually really important to you because making a decision like that when you are in shock and when it can be quite overwhelming and it is about you, it's supremely personal it can be a really difficult decision. So it sounds like reaching out and asking other people who have either had the experience or other experts who could give counsel was actually something that was able to sort of calm down some of that fear and give you facts to actually base some decisions on that yes. were in alignment with your priorities. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is something, those two, that point around facts is is really important um, mm. because that can help 
sort of take some of the emotion out of the decision but equally it's hard to avoid it being an emotional decision so being able to shoulder the burden with with others is just is just really important I, I know a lot of people sort of internalize it and think you know they can't reach out to other people um mm. but you can and you don't need there's no journey that any of us have to go on alone if if we're prepared to open up and let people in I know that takes some courage but you know I've just had mountains and mountains of relief from from letting others in and then ultimately resharing my story because mm. I hope that that kind of advocacy can help others yeah absolutely and I guess for me I mean I share a similar journey with my own um, experiences with cancer and I've found one of the hardest things to do is actually reaching out and asking for help and one of the things that I've always said to people is that when you're fearful the best thing to do is write down all of the questions going on in your mind so get it out of your head and onto paper and then find people that you can ask questions those questions to like actually go out of your way to actually ask the questions and get the facts because I found that facts is the greatest um, thing to counter the effect of fear. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and, and I think the, the fact element as well can just changes the trajectory of, of your, your thinking and your mindset for a little while, which, which I think is really important. So, Andrea, how did this all affect your world, your reality, your relationships? At the time, I probably felt like there was a lot of change going on. But with hindsight, I don't think too much change. I think the hardest change, I had a very supportive husband and I think that was very grounding. Otherwise, I think you have a very different story to tell. Mm. Um, I think at the time, I probably underestimated how it impacted the kids and they were younger then. So they were 12 and 9, I guess, particularly the younger one. He, he was very quiet and observant um, and he observed a lot more than what I, what I gave him credit for. So, you know, probably um, had a bit more of an impact on the kids. And when you're just, you know, fighting for yourself, you kind of forget, you know, you forget about them a little bit. Um, but we, we took, you know, once, once time had passed and we sort of saw a few little things going on there, we were able to get um, just some support and, and, and sort that out. Um, but otherwise, I tried to just manage that this wasn't going to change me. It wasn't going to change who, who I was and nothing really needed to change. And, you know, as long as I had the support I was getting from, from hubby and from, from friends, then that was okay. Um, but, you know, in, in the moment, and I'm casting my mind back all that time, I think in the moment after the surgery, though, and I was sort of holed up for about three months and, um, was still in quite a lot of pain even for months after that um, you, you do go through the emotional highs and lows of the day um, and you know just how do you get through that and there are days where you want to cry and there are days that you're angry and there are days that it's why me and there are days you just come back to being really really grateful that you know ultimately I've got a, a positive outcome at the end of it and I really shouldn't be complaining um, I think what I did was work out that depending on where your mindset was you needed some support and I'm very and you know me Josie I'm very social and and have a large network and so it's very easy for me to to tap into that it, it's kind of my natural place but I, I started to work out that different people belonged in different buckets and 
and slowly but surely I started to identify with that and then I I'd start to have to really reach into my own mind and say okay where are you at now and maybe which bucket could help you and and as I sort of got better at doing that then I felt my days were a lot better so you know and it was okay to acknowledge where you were at like maybe it was a day where you didn't want any buckets around you or it was a day that you needed the tough love bucket which hubby consumed most of or there was the day you needed a shoulder to cry on and you went to that bucket or a day that you just didn't want to talk about it but you needed some light relief and you needed you know someone to come around and and watch a comedy with you or you know binge Netflix or something so Mm. you know you just have to be really honest with yourself and work out what are the buckets that you need and who sits in them and and then just use them like Mm. don't don't be shy just use them because I found you know, all my friends in their own minds wanted to be doing something. And there were those that would just, you know, force their way in and and sort of sort you out. But there were those that were quite timid sitting back, just not knowing what to do. And I know we hear that a lot. Mm. Um, And and so you've just got to reach out and, and, you know, if you know them well enough, you'll know where they sit and then just say, we don't need to talk about it. I know you're as terrified as I am. We don't need to talk about it, but just come over and let's watch a movie or let's play Scrabble or or do something, Mm. help me pass the time away. So, you know, everyone has a role to play and everyone will will find their way into one of your buckets and I would just say you use it you know use it without without thinking just be really good that's where self-greed I think is a good thing well I think I really like what you said there is that you named it you kind of named the elephant in the room you know we're both frightened we both know that this is going on but however this is what I need today and just giving voice to that just kind of creates a bit of relief for everybody to go yeah we're not ignoring it we're acknowledging it and we're making a conscious choice to not invest in that at this time because that's not where your need is right now yep exactly exactly Andrea how did this experience affect your relationship with yourself your body your life your reality oh well this is where um such a great question Josie this is where the blessing part comes into into Mm. what I said earlier on so I thought I knew my body pretty well and I also have you know a, a skin genetic skin cancer background so I'm also equally you know seeing dermatologists for checkups and stuff and I thought yep that's me I'm done you know, I get my boobs checked and I get my skin checked and I'm fine. Um, and, you know, that was just really, really naive. Um, through, through a friend, one of my son's mums at school who'd been through something similar to me about three years earlier than that, and we had a mutual um, we had a mutual friend being one of the mums at school who was a nutritionist. And she said, why don't you go and see Sonia? And I'll give a plug here for Sonia Osborne. She's an Australian nutritionist living in Singapore, but she has clientele in both places, just Mm. the most amazing soul. She, um, you know, I went to her to say, hi, Sonia, I want to never chat chat with her about nutrition before ever. And I've never seen a nutritionist before ever. Um, But I went and had a chat with her where my primary question was, um, you know, what's a cancer-free diet? look like these days because I sort of had or immediately had that goal well, I don't want to ever go through this again and mm. and thought you know I'll just check out what what does a cancer-free diet look like <laughs> well, well 
five years later, I can tell you that was not the question to be asking Sonia. And she she kind of looked at me going, no, 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 that's not the right question you need to be asking me. The right question is, and, and there's a process that she goes through onboarding new clients, um, is just how well are you? It was all about well-being. And I don't even think I'd use that word very often up until this point, but it was about well-being. It's like, are you well? And, you know, Sonia was probably the primary person in my, what I call my well-being coaches. Um, and then, you know, the doctors form part of that. But Sonia was the most profound person in terms of just sharing science. And for those that like their data and facts, you know, sharing the science behind, you know, what it is we do to our bodies. And yeah, a lot of it was obviously around food and nutrition, that's a background, but it still covered emotional support, it covered sleep, it's covered physical wellness. Um, and and she had some very specific psychologists and stuff that she works with as well to cover off mental health. But long story short, I learned so much from her and she did a bit of a detox, um, you know, clean and green living and did a did a detox with me for 12 months post-surgery. Well, within two weeks, I was starting to feel different and certainly at the 12-month mark, um, I just didn't know myself really, if I think about it, compared to where I was at 45 before all that happened. At 46, mm -hmm. I've never been so healthy, happy, um, and felt like I was sort of in charge of my life and my wellness. Mm -hmm. um, and I think on reflection now, until you need that, you know, sometimes it takes like a health scare to trigger something like that, but mm. you don't need that health scare. Uh, and I guess this, this is one of my most profoundest learnings. Um, just lead a good life and understand what that is for you. And she's, I mean, it's intriguing, right? It's, you know, I needed the Andrea diet. I didn't need keto. I didn't need... Atkins I didn't need gluten I just needed the Andrea diet mm. and she takes you way back to basics you know a bit of a caveman style diet because that's we haven't really evolved as humans um, and then we just started to work up what what is that Andrea diet so you know my hair was a little better my skin was amazing um, you know my nails were a bit stronger and, and we should all have that anyway we don't need cancer to trigger something like mm. that mm. so that really changed the relationship I had with myself um, and um, yeah I've, I'm still very focused on on that well-being space um, and that was more profound I'd played around with meditation before I'd done some yoga and and was doing Pilates for my as part of my rehab um but that was a big ticket game changer for me and, and that's mm. you know that's just such a blessing because I, I get to keep that knowledge for life absolutely and I mean I think that's one thing that I realized that I don't think we're very conscious about what we're putting into our body and therefore the work that the body has to do to process uh, whatever it is that we're putting in. So, Andrea, yeah. what would you say are the biggest lessons that you've learned that we could resource our listeners with? I would say problem solving. Um, don't deny stuff. Just you get told this stuff, right? I mean, it's hard to say don't deny because, you know, we react naturally. But, like, get over that, get past that denial quickly, like in minutes or hours if you possibly can and start problem solving. Um, because I think that's that's that proactivity 
is something that you're in control of. And I think that's really important emotionally, saying, right, I can take charge of certain elements of this. And there's enough of stuff in this space where you are out of control. So trying to draw on stuff that puts you in control, I think is really important. For mm. me, the other big word is, and it's linked, is resilience. Um, you know, that is linked to problem solving, right? You know, it's it's what I want for my kids. It's what I keep trying to have trained them um you know in the motherhood space is you know you'll be fine if you can find some resilience and yeah sure that that means being knocked down and and finding a way back up and that means having to find a lot of courage and and face fears and things but I you know that's just where we where we gain our strength from um and like I said earlier I'll say it again like seek out help um you know we can build resilience um, and we can problem solve as a team. It doesn't have to be on your own. Um, and, you know, I just, yeah, ask, ask for help. doesn't matter who, who it's from. I mean, as humans, we do kind of like to help each other generally. I do believe in basic humanity in that space. And, you know, I've been asked many occasions before and after this, you know, can you help me? And it's like, well, if I can, I will. I will mm. certainly try. Um, and so people don't mind being asked. I think we overfear some of these things. So I think they're probably the key things. And then, you know, in that in that support network, as I said, you know, the, the wellness coaches that I had, you know, whether it was a Pilates, you know, mm. trainer to cover off my rehab or, or the nutritionist um, and, and lifestyle gurus or, or whatever, just, just get it. It doesn't just have to be a relationship with the doctor. And I think the nice thing about some of those other lifestyle professionals is that they can link in with the medical professions mm. um, because they're very trained to do that, but they can link in on the lifestyle piece. And it just makes it a really nice sort of tripartite agreement between you that that takes some of the, the yeah, the, if it was just about me and the doctors, it would have been more fearful. I found that I could, you know, those other guys helped me deal with some of those very confronting medical approaches. Mm. So, mm. yeah. So, Andrew, I've got a question before I ask you for your final pearl of wisdom for people. One of the things that I found talking to many cancer survivors over the years is that there is a legitimate fear of recurrence yeah. that we can have from time to time. So, you know, you might have a, a niggling sensation in the body and your brain can't help to go, oh, crap, you know, <laughs> maybe it's bad, you know. How do you manage that that fear of recurrence? Look, the days I go in for my six monthly checkups mm. um, are days that I do not enjoy, and it's usually a two day process. Well, I haven't experienced what it's like because I've just relocated back to Australia. But in in Singapore, the the cadence was you'd go and have your mammograms and ultrasounds on one day, and then you'd see your specialist the next day, and you know, I, I'd say to myself, oh my God, I just I don't want to wa wander around feeling grumpy about two days of this week. One will be enough. So I always just breeze through the the results. Uh, sorry, not the results. The um, the the testing. You know, take your book, listen to your podcasts and your audio books, and just you know get through it. By now, you've been poked and prod anyway, and, and you're familiar with the corridors, and just just zone out and go with it. And then in, and give myself give myself for that call up with the with the specialist to get the results give myself permission to feel anxious in that moment but you just got to sit in that waiting room and you know take deep breaths and remind yourself that if if this is the day because I'm not naive enough to think I can prevent it entirely um if this is the day 
it's still okay. It's still a good day because then I'll move into problem solving for that. And, you know, because imagine if you don't do that, Josie, then what? Mm. Mm. Yeah, we're not in control of the recurrence, but we are in control of how we're going to handle it. Um, and, And so you just start psyching yourself up, you know, learning from your past wisdom and having had conversations with you or whoever else is out there, you know, reach out to that network and, you know, in the early days, a friend would come with me and just sit in the waiting room and 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 wait with me. Um, these days, I've sort of don't necessarily need that, but mm. let's see if it comes back again. Then that's exactly where I go back to doing. But right. yeah, it's striking that balance. It's a little bit of permission to be anxious about it because that's real. You yes. don't want to deny yourself that reality. No. But it's like bang, resilience is all about getting into problem solving mode and and fixing it and mm. um you know and and putting the energy mm. that you do have into that space because that's healing i find that more healing than the dwelling and i find that more healing than the not knowing absolutely and i find if i ever get into those those uh catastrophic kind of thinking that i sit there and go okay so what if that did happen and i play it out in my own mind and actually play it out to a solution so if that did happen, what would I do? How would I manage that? What choices do I have? So by giving myself permission to explore it, not just pose the question, it actually is quite empowering because you yeah. move beyond the fear. So, Andrea, is there any final like pearl of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Um, oh, look, I think, Josie, it's as simple as just... Be proactive in checking, even if you don't have a, a history or, or or concerns in that space. Um, you know, I can't tell you what it would be like if I was sitting here having had a much more serious diagnosis than I did. Mm. I, yeah, I just, what have you got to lose by receiving an early diagnosis rather mm. than a mid-stage or a late diagnosis? Mm. Um, you've got a lot more options you've probably got a lot more treatment options um you've got time possibly more time to deal with it um Mm -hmm. than later stage diagnosis um and if you know for those that like being in control um then i think being in that early catch space is is much better than than in a in a late catch so i think for me it's just you know who out there hasn't yet had a mammogram and how old are you um and you know if, if there are those histories and things you know go and go and get the test and it doesn't matter what sort of cancer or other disease mm. it is just yeah just be proactive I think it can really make a big big difference totally agree with you I would say listen to your body and have those yes. checks <laughs> yes yes so, Andrew, if people want to connect with you or know more, where can we direct them? Um, happy to direct them to my um, private email account, Josie. Okay, no problem. I'll put that, I'll put that yep. in the notes. So what an inspiration and true light you are in the world, Andrea. You've really shown us that no matter what the circumstances, you really can rise and shine again. So thank you so much for sharing your story today. 
No problem, Josie. And one of the reasons why I can share my story is because of how inspirational you've been to you and all your network. So there's there's a, a quid pro quo there and it's thank you to you. You certainly were um, helping me get through all of this over the last five years in the background. I'll say thank you to you too. <laughs> <laughs> now, if Andrea can do it, so can you. Did you like this podcast? Share your comments with us and tell us what you loved about the interview and how it was helpful to you. Help spread the love by sharing the link with your friends so that they too can rise and shine. So until next time, remember, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond that counts. Shine on. You can shine.